Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Tina Zaccardi, winner of The Great American Bake Off Season 4, inspires me in two ways. First, she reminds us that everything takes time. But as an amateur baker who never attended culinary or pastry school, she also reminds us that time is sufficient to master any craft. Second, I think what I really love about Tina and her Nana's child-friendly sprinkle cookies is that you'll hear again and again that Tina's success was ultimately motivated by the simple but lofty motive of baking delicious things to make other people happy. And it's really nice to know that's enough. Thank you so much for taking this time. You're such oh. a well, thank busy you so much woman. for reaching out, you know, and wanting to, you know, speak with me. Oh, of course, of course. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you on here for so many reasons. You have so much to share. <laughs> uh, you know, and I love your whole process because you really get quite in depth. There's pictures and you really have a process and you really dive really deep into, yeah. you know, the subject. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's dive deep, like you said, into yours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so your recipe, it has three names, at least maybe more. <laughs> maybe more. Um, the first one's Italian, right? Biscotti and Aggetti is Anginetti. Anginetti. Okay. And what does that mean? Honestly, oh. when you go into a translator and you type in the word, there is no literal translation. Okay. It, it spits back Anginetti. So uh, it's just, it could have been the name of the person who started making it. It could have been, it could be regional. It could be, you know, something along those lines. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and biscotti. Right. What when you say biscotti, it's cookie. It's, it's just a general word for for cookie. Okay, and see that's new for me because to me that's a kind of cookie that you like roll out and then you cut it and it's kind of crisp and right. maybe you Twice dip it. Yeah, yeah, but that's really just one interpretation, type of right? Yeah. Interpretation of it. That's I've learned something already. So thank <laughs> you. <laughs> okay, and then lemon drop cookies is a tiny bit deceptive because there's no lemon in these cookies, unless I missed it. Well, there's no lemon in mine. Um, okay. My, my grandma, grandmother made them using um, vanilla extract or sometimes a little anise flavoring, which is kind Ooh. of like a licorice flavor. Mm -hmm. um, and the drop comes in because these cookies can be made many different ways. There mm. are some people that the, the dough or the batter is so loose that they can do it as a as a drop cookie. Some of them are made with oil. Some of them are made with vegetable shortening, a combination of vegetable shortening and butter. Um, my grandmother used butter, all butter. Okay. I, I'm not mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. And then, well, let me ask a question then. So sure. what is the defining feature of these cookies? If they can be made in all these different ways, I think that that very thin glaze of, you know, okay. icing mm. and those those sprinkles, no matter, you know, what color mm -hmm. they are or what, you know, some people prefer the the little ball ones, the nonpareil. Someone some people prefer the Jimmy sprinkles. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing I find 
<laughs> is that when I use the little ball sprinkles and you, you know, you have to put them on when the icing is wet or they won't stick, they start to bleed and, mm -hmm. they, and you get the streaks on them. So sometimes I'll use, you know, the longer, the longer sprinkles or even, okay. or even a sanding sugar, just mm -hmm. anything with color or but the little nonpareils are so festive. I love them, but yeah, they sometimes they start yeah. to bleed. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then, so that's the third name is Nana Sprinkle Cookies. And obviously this is the name that's most near and dear to you. So tell me about that right. name. That's how we yeah. would describe them. And, you know, she would make them all the time. We were over there all the time and, you know, she would, she just start to make them and there were never any, you know, measurements. Finally, you know, I had to sit down and measure everything, but, you know, she would just do it by eye and she did it. Her process was very different from the way I make them now. I kind of modernized it a little, kind of simplified it a little really? bit. Right. So she would put the total amount of flour either in a bowl or on a board uh-huh. And baking powder. And she would kind of cut in the butter with her fingers, okay. almost like a pie crust. Yeah. And she would kind of make a well and then she would add the eggs to it. So a lot of times, you know, the cookies would vary. Sometimes there's just little differences, like they'd be a little denser or a little lighter. Mm. So the way I started doing it was I would cream the butter and the confectioner's sugar. I would add the eggs mm -hmm. and then I would add enough flour to make the dough the way I want it to feel. Cause mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times it's right. It's feel and how the dough looks. So I wasn't adding a lot of flour. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect example of where you want to weigh your flour because, mm -hmm. you know, doing that scoop or even doing the sprinkling in and leveling off, you'll get a different amount of flour every time and mm -hmm. you'll get a different texture of cookie every time. Yeah. Well, so I made them this morning. And you so did? I, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. I always make them beforehand because that way I can ask all my questions and we can all learn more. So since we're talking about them, let me just go through. Well, first of all, I find that we're going to talk about Nana in a second, but I find that to be so how I picture Italian baking in my mind to have this well and put eggs inside them. And it's like, I've never found a recipe that tells me to put eggs in a well. That is actually very informative to me because I always thought, well, maybe I'm just making something different, but you're saying, no, we've made no. the same things. We just use different techniques. That's an old school technique. That is definitely an old school technique. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, if, um, you know, the well breaks, you have eggs, you know, rolling across mm. the <laughs> so it's practical. There's two practical reasons. One is it's a high risk if there's a mistake. And two, you find that it's less consistent than yes, this method. Exactly. It's definitely less, less consistent. Okay. That's really interesting. Okay. So let me ask you about this texture because I read your directions very carefully okay. and I thought that my dough was just right according to your description. So first of all, I should say I only made a third of a recipe because okay. my... Yeah, my son made donuts last night. We didn't also need 72 cookies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know how that goes. So I just made a third of the recipe. And when I when I got to the end, the dough was sticky, like you said, but it was so soft. I mean, it was really felt great. It is actually. very soft. Soft and light. And so I started to knead it, like you said, and I thought that I had gotten to just the right spot. It was, it was still very soft, but not sticky. Okay. But then when I went to break off the 25 gram portions, mm -hmm. it was really sticky in the middle. Sticky. So okay. did I just not knead enough? 
Or is that what you would expect? Were you able to roll like the, the tube? Well, hands? some yes, some I kind of had to roll it a little bit in the flower. So I'm going to say no, I was not able to consistently. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, I made a dozen rolled. It's just that I kind of had to add a little flower to my hands or to the board as I rolled them. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. You could okay. have added just a little, a little flower. So yeah. So that's, that's why I do it that way so that you're not adding like too much flour. Okay. Well, I mean, they tasted good. They were certainly that very, very light. You know, oh, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, just so fun. I feel like yeah. you could pop a million in your mouth just for yes, the fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and as long as we're talking about the recipe, um, one more question. So you make a point of saying that after about the fourth egg for the full recipe, which calls for six eggs, you might start to get a little separation. Yeah, it starts to, I think the, you know, the amount of butter compared to the amount of egg, it will start to set, maybe separate a little because the, the butter just can't absorb all the eggs. The other thing is I don't think I specified room temperature eggs. Did you use cold you, eggs? No, you you specified that. It's a really good I, recipe. I, so usually that will happen when, you know, if you've had your butter sit out and you cream it and it's, you know, probably room temperature and then you take ice cold eggs, the butter will almost seize up because the eggs are adding something cold yeah. to the butter. But it is it is a lot of eggs. And I've made it enough times where even if that does happen, don't worry. It's not something to worry about. I love what you said. You're like, just press on. Press um, on. <laughs> so I did press on, but I didn't know if you meant if you just keep mixing, it will come together or just as you add the flour, it will eventually yeah. together. That's the, the second. As you add the flour, it will eventually okay. come together. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I did. And, and it was all great. So <laughs> wonderful <laughs> recipes, a lot of fun. I just learned a lot. I'm sure my listeners will too. So that's great. That's great. So now I want to talk more about what this recipe means to you. And I definitely want to start with the name Nana Sprinkle Cookies and hear about Nana. My grandmother lived in the Bronx and till about I was two and a half, we lived in an apartment up the block. Um, when I was two and a half, uh, we moved to Westchester. Mm -hmm. which is not a far drive. It's 20 minutes. Okay. Um, so we would, you know, go on a Sunday or a Saturday, mostly, you know, mostly Sundays or even during, you know, during the week. And we, you know, she would make cookies or another big recipe of hers was her Easter bread. I mean, we just love them. Those, those cookies are just so kid friendly and kid. Yes. They're just like such a perfect little cookie. Well, um, and the sprinkles on them, make them like a present. Yes, they do. They make them very festive. They're yep. very, you know, when a kid sees color or sprinkle, yep. that's, you know, right away. Yeah. So, so she would make, you know, she would make them very often. She'd always have them in the house for us to munch on. You know, my mother made them too. And if we were homesick from school, you know, with a cold or something, and she needed an activity for, you know, to keep mm -hmm. us busy, we'd make those cookies. <laughs> I I read that the first time you made them was when you were eight, homesick from school. Yeah. And I thought, well, your mother had a much lower standard for letting you stay homesick because <laughs> <laughs> I was only allowed to stay homesick if I was on my back. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> If we were really sick, you know, we weren't making cookies. But. Of course, of course. So where did Nana grow up? Did she grow up in the Bronx? She No, she was, um, it was her parents who immigrated okay. to the United States. Oh, that would have probably been late 1800s. And she actually was born and grew up in Philadelphia. 
Okay. So do you know what region of Italy they came from? And are these cookies specific to that region? Uh, Okay. So my mother's side of the family is from kind of around the area of Rome. And um, honestly, I think everybody makes them. They may be slightly different region to region. Okay. Okay. Did you guys do a big Sunday meal? You know, not every Sunday, but we would on Sunday maybe either go to her house. And as Mm -hmm. um, we got older, they would come to our house. And Mm -hmm. uh, my mother's father and mother, they didn't drive. The only grandparent that drove was my father's father. So he would pick everybody up in the Bronx (laughs) and drive drive up to Westchester on a Sunday. Oh, so that's really cool. So both sets of your grandparents knew each other and were close to each other. Yes. Yes. You know, they were, they were both from the Bronx, my parents, Mm -hmm. and they went to the same high school. Mm. And what's really interesting is after I started dating my husband, um, his mother said, you know, Tina's last name sounds really familiar and she looks very familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went home and I said to my dad, I said, dad, do you, um, you know, I gave him my mother, mother-in-law's name. I said, you know, does this name ring a bell? And he's like, oh yeah, I, I went to high school with her. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my father and my mother-in-law graduated from high school together. My mother was two years behind them. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I was going to follow up with something you said earlier. You said your daughter learned Italian in high school. Yes. Well, I just think of New York and Italians. I mean, one goes with the other. We have a huge Italian program in our school. Uh, The teachers are absolutely fantastic. In fact, every year they put on what they call Italian night in March, right around St. Joseph's Day. Mm. And um, what the kids do is they sometimes it's uh, a small part of a a Disney movie. Sometimes it can be a, a movie you've seen on TV. Sometimes it can be a traditional play that's been in Italian. And if it's not in Italian, the kids will translate it into Italian and perform it. It's a it's wow. crazy, wonderful night. It, it's The kids just love it. And it really fosters the love of the, the language, the culture. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I was honored enough to be asked to be their keynote speaker this year. So in a couple oh. of weeks, um, I'm going to be going to Italian night and it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, bring back all these memories of when my kids perform. So yeah. That's so. awesome. Do you know what you're going to speak on? Well, I'm going to just tell them a little bit about myself. And my main focus of what I'll be speaking on is um, kind of follow your passion mm. and don't give up. Don't ever think anything is out of your reach, which is kind of... Mm. The whole reason why I, you know, did the show and absolutely. Do you feel like that's something that you were raised with? Yes. I mean, I was raised, you know, I was a child in the in the sixties, went to high school in the seventies, and you know, I had two brothers, so I was the only girl, but I never mm-hmm. felt like I was you know, I had to do the typical female Mm. Um, jobs. My mm-hmm. father encouraged all three of us to pursue our education and go to college. It was, mm-hmm. you know, was, there was no difference between my brothers and me. So mm-hmm. I always felt that I could do anything I kind of set my mind to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's, let's move on to that. Let's talk about your baking journey. So, okay. um, so you're entirely self-taught. Yeah. So as, as, you know, a child, I'd, you know, watch with my grandmother and my mother and I, you know, help them bake and everything. And then the big TV show for me growing up was the Galloping Gourmet. I just thought he was hilarious. Who who was Uh, this? I've, I've never heard of his name is Graham Kerr. 
funny. And and I watched Julia Child. I thought she was, you know, fantastic. And um, my mother always had the most recent version of Joy of Cooking in the house. Mm. So that was a good reference. So I would, you know, read, read through that. And, you know, when I grew up, we didn't, we didn't have the internet. So it was getting on your bike and riding to the library. So I would, you know, take out cookbooks or look at cookbooks and just, Mm -hmm. so I started probably like most people did with your, you know, cake mix from the supermarket and I would make it and I would frost the cake and, you mm. had a lot of oohs and ahs and, and, you know, made something that made me stand out from, you know, mm. my brothers. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, hey. Yeah. So from there, I just. So uh, can I, can I ask a question about that? Yeah, when you would yeah. frost it, were you kind of focused on like, mm, this is a delicious yellow cake with chocolate frosting? Or were you really focused on the decoration and making that frosting beautiful and perfect and intricate? It was kind of a combination mm-hmm. of both. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started to look into, you know, they have the, the Wilton cake decorating books and, mm-hmm. and I'd start mm-hmm. to try and learn how to do that. That, that opened up like a whole nother world, you know, pastry bags and baking tips, you know, mm-hmm. other than just the smooth spatula. So yeah. making it artistic was always part of the joy for you. I would say it was probably 75, 25. I wanted it to okay. taste good because that's yeah. <laughs> ultimately yep. your goal is to have someone enjoy eating, eating your cake right. or cookie or what, whatever it is that you're making. So, you know, from there, I just started to, you know, look at things I hadn't baked before. I got started to use yeast and do yeast breads and um, both sweet and savory, you know, just, just trying things, just experimenting with things. And then, I want to say it was about 10 years ago where this started to really become not, I don't want to say an obsession, but people started to know that, oh yeah, Tina's, Tina bakes. Yeah. She'll bring the cupcakes, bring the cookies, bring, bring this, bring that. Uh Uh Um, And then I started to discover cooking and baking contests online. So I started to do that. And so then- this, this is a significant shift when you go, and I've always been curious about this, how a baker does this. When you go from making somebody else's recipes to making your own, yeah, that seems like a huge leap. It's a huge, it, it really is a huge, a huge do, leap. Do you remember when that happened? Was it all because of these contests or had you kind of already started to do that? There are recipes that I would make and say, wow, I, I, I would love it, the texture to be like this instead of mm. like this. So you start to, to tweak things. And I think when you start to do that, that's when you start to really learn technique and how the ingredients start to play with each other and interact mm. with each other. There's not, I don't know if there's a like a defining moment. It's just kind of a very fluid process where you yeah. start to to evolve and you probably got to the point where any recipe you were given, you could reproduce very easily. There must've been more failures when you started to do the developing your own. Oh, definitely. And it's really Mm -hmm. funny because you don't, you don't see many, many failures because everything out on social media is like perfectly (laughs) staged in the pictures. And I love when people say, you know what, this didn't work for me. And I'm, Mm -hmm. and I need to, to probably do more of that, you know, because, you know, people, Oh, look at everything you make. It's just, no, not really. Sometimes you just totally fail. Sometimes you're, 
you're thinking about something else, you forget to put the sugar in. It yeah. happens to everyone. Yeah. It, well, and I'm thinking particularly in that phase because you really have to understand the science. Right. Like, yeah. why do you put sugar in a recipe? It, it aids in browning. It, it makes the, the batter or dough a little more tender. It makes sweetness. It also, sugar will absorb moisture, so it will extend the shell. You know, it'll last a day or two more than something that doesn't have sugar in it. Think about breads. Like if you were to make a bread with just flour and water and, and salt, it gets very hard very quickly as opposed to maybe an enriched dough that has the sugar in it, that has the milk in it, that has the eggs in it. So, yeah. and this is just right. from, from reading, from watching. Interesting. Okay. So you started entering these contests. Well, the first two that I actually entered, they were a local contests. In our, in Westchester, we had a huge kitchen store called um, Chef Central. Um, they held an apple pie contest. There were about 25 entries and I came in second place. Wow. I was like, Wow. And I didn't do a traditional apple pie with a top crust. I had a crumb topping and mm. I also had brown pecans in my crust. Mm. So it was a little, diff- little different. So I didn't know. I was like, oh, everybody else has had like a top crust on it. So that yeah. was pretty exciting. The next one I did was a huge leap for me. It was at the same place. They were running a contest. They referred to it as the Chef Central Idol. And you had to do a 20-minute cooking, bake, cooking, baking, whatever you wanted to oh, make demonstration okay. in front of an audience. Okay. So that was a huge leap for me. So I got up there and I made chocolate cupcakes with a peanut butter frosting. Mm. That's what I, yes, that's my, all, you asked me what my favorite baking combination is, chocolate and peanut butter. Okay. (laughs) And Uh I moved on to the next round. And that's when I used a recipe that I had developed. I called them a key lime pie cupcake and I won the whole thing. (laughs) That's kind of how I got my feet wet with really competing. And then from then on, I there's two two very good websites. One is um, Contest Cook and one is Cooking Contest Central that has lists and lists of contests all over the country, small ones, regional ones, ones for professionals, one for amateurs. When did you start to think, oh, I'd like to do this? Joy Bauer had put out a call for a recipe contest. She was looking for a healthy one-pot meal. Uh-huh. And I said, all right, let me, let me enter this. And I was three people picked. So that was the first thing. When the chew was on the air, they had asked, you know, viewers, send us your, your old family recipes. So I sent in one and never heard from them. So a year later, the phone rings and answer the phone. It was a producer from the chew saying, you know, we had received a recipe from you and um, they were looking for three viewers to come on with a dessert and kind of compete on the show with, with their dessert. Wow. Um, that one I won. I made wow. a peach, a peach blueberry pie with a pecan crust. The prize, it wasn't really a prize, but you got to do the next segment and put together your recipe with uh, Carla Hall and Mario Batali. Wow. That was, that was yes, that was wow. my head's just spinning. I'm like, this is this is just crazy. This is really isn't happening. <laughs> I know. Was your mouth dry? Was your heart beating fast? Or are you pretty calm in those situations? You know, I I was actually pretty calm. Everybody on the show was absolutely fantastic. So they made you feel very at ease. That was huge. Mm. But what amazing preparation for the Great American Baking Show. Yes. (laughs) 
(laughs) And then I read that you applied several times. Um, Three times, three times. There is a really good lesson in that. Yes, there definitely is a lesson. Don't, don't give up. You know, you got to believe in yourself. You have to keep pressing on because I learned from every time I applied and went through the process, I learned something, um, you know, I had more time to practice. You probably continued to do contests along the way. Yes, I did. I did. Okay. So how much of the process, is it like two distinct processes where they're kind of assessing your personality and what you bring to the show? Are you going to be the spicy one or are you going to be the predictable (laughs) one? You know, how much are they assessing that and how much are they just assessing baking, talent, creativity, all of that? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I would maybe guess it's 50 50, but, um, one piece of advice I could give anybody is just be who you are, be yourself mm-hmm. because you, when you get into like the, the really pressure situations, you know, you, you can't help but be yourself. So you mm-hmm. might just be yourself, be who you are. And if, if it works out, it works out and be, you have to be comfortable in your own skin. That's good dating advice also. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> because you, once you get married, it's you, all coming out. <laughs> really? You will, will definitely come out. So what, is the process like to apply? There's a, there's an application online Mm -hmm. that you have to fill out. And from there, there's, you know, a series of other steps where they're, you know, tasting what you bake and kind of filming, filming you and, you know, talking to you just questions about like everything, not just baking yourself, your family, you know, that kind of thing. And so how did it feel that first time you were in the tent? It was, you know, they picked us up from where we were staying in a bus and we drove on to the, the grounds of, it was at Pinewood studio. So it was a, it's a TV movie studio mm-hmm. and you know, you come around that corner and you actually see it, oh. and, you know, you've been watching on television, oh. watching the British version, the American version, and you never, you know, even, you know, you get picked, you know, you fly over there, you still, you still don't believe it until the first time you see it. And then the first time you actually walk through that opening in the tent mm. and I'm getting like little goosebumps, just telling you. Oh that. my it's goodness. Just, it's just amazing because it's the thing we've all wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so that first time, just unbelievable, but it's just yeah, so opening. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about the filming of the show. These challenges are long challenges. And yet you fit them all in on the weekend, but there's filming or these marathon long days with all the filming and the interviews and all of that. So the the American version is filmed a little bit differently than the British version. Okay. They, they film on the weekends and then go home during the yeah. week. Uh-huh. Um, unfortunately, we're not close enough to be able to go home. So we are we were there for a, almost a month and, you know, like two days of filming, two days off, two days of filming, two, that kind of thing. Okay. First. okay. Depending on what the challenge is, I think we had one that was as short as an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the longest one we had was the gingerbread creation, which was five straight hours. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And it's true what they say, like once they start, that clock does not stop. So when no. they do the interviews and stuff, that's all on off time. Right. That's just, it's just part of the process. Okay. So they do the same three. They do the, the signature, the, the signature, and then the technical, technical and, and, and then yeah. the shows of those three types. Did you have one that you always felt like this is my thing? You know, a lot of the showstoppers I felt, I think the most comfortable with. Oh, and yeah. why is that? 
I think I was just so excited to make the showstopper ones. There were some of my favorite things. Like one of them was um, for pastry week, it was eggclairs and I mm-hmm. love eggclairs and I love making them. So, you know, I felt very confident going into that. Mm-hmm. The gin- I was so excited, you know, Hey, listeners, we had a little bit of technical difficulty here, but Tina was telling me how much she liked the gingerbread challenge. So sorry, you were saying when you hit the gingerbread challenge. I was excited to do that one, and I knew I had to get to the fifth week in order to do that. So when we got there, I was really excited to do it. Some people were dreading it. I was like looking forward to it. You were really excited. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, there's, there's the baking, but there's also all of this other stuff, the construction and all of that. How much did you practice in between? You know, I practiced as much as I could. There were some things that, you know, even though you have a plan in place, yeah, um, there were some things that I, I changed up kind of on the fly. So, really? yeah. Okay. Yeah. So much of this really does just have to do with staying calm. Yes. That really comes down to the depth of expertise that you have, because you could respond. You know so much about your craft that you you could adjust on the fly. You have to be very well versed in so many different things. For example, the first, um, first week was cake week and our technical was to make a flourless chocolate cake with a French meringue. Now there are, several different ways to make a meringue and you had to know the French technique to making a a meringue versus a Swiss or an Italian. Okay. Because it was just like, I think the instructions were given, make a French meringue. So, so you have to know, (laughs) you really have to know, you have to know. What would you say is the thing that happened that threw you the most? It, it definitely was that first week where, um, I was the showstopper was to make 18, mini cakes. And it had to be at least two layers of cake with a filling and a topping. I had a little ingredient mishap where I reached for the wrong ingredient. And instead of rising, my cakes kind of pancaked. And, you know, you take them out of the oven, they've been cooking longer than they need to. And I'm like, something's not right. So I asked, how much time do I have left? They told me and I said, okay, I think I have enough time to switch gears and I have a chocolate cake recipe in my head. The culinary team who was, I have to tell you, was the most amazing group of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Got me everything I needed. I was able to make those cakes and and complete the challenge. So that was, that was a huge, that was a huge moment for me. Mm, Congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> and um, tell me a little bit about that. How many people does it take behind the scenes to make a show like this? There are so many people, and it's really funny. And they're kind of on the floor, getting us what we need, taking things away. Um, you've got the camera people. You've got the people asking questions. And when they edit it, you don't see any of that, which amazes me. It's just absolutely amazing to me that you don't see any of that, not chaos, but hubbub that's going on Mm -hmm. in the background. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of people that make this show what, what it is. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. And I've wondered this, do you give them the recipe? And because I've seen this where people just kind of start over. I mean, how do they have all these ingredients on hand and sometimes for second and third tries? (laughs) Well, they, they have a huge pantry and they, they stock it. I mean, they have more than I think 
what we would need in a day. And how far in advance? Is it just for each one? You're like, okay, well, tomorrow I'm going to make this. Or do you really um, submit these recipes in advance? Yeah, in, they're, they're in advance. They're, they're in all advance. in advance. So you might have submitted a recipe. Like if you never, of course, you made it through all the weeks. But if somebody doesn't make it to week seven, they've still submitted that recipe. Correct. Right. Right. That's very interesting to me. Okay. And then what are the rules about, you know, for instance, if you wanted to make Nana's Easter bread, like right. you haven't developed that recipe. I've always felt like there's got to be a fine line. But have to be original, original recipes. You can't just copy something, but um, family re- recipes are, are okay. They're, they're okay. your family recipes. So okay. that, that's fine. Okay. Now tell me, um, when did you start to feel like I could win this? Well, you know, I never, I never had the, I could win this until, you know, you got to the end because I just, I just was trying to just get by each challenge. And when it comes down to it, it is, it is a reality show. So of course you don't want to be that first one. I know. (laughs) And, and when my, you know, my, pumpkin spice cakes failed. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> no. This is the one where you made the chocolate cakes. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. I know for that to be your first experience. Yeah. Gosh, but it's almost like the worst happened that time. So and, it's and only you, the one from here. Right, <laughs> right. Right. So it wasn't until that very last episode that you thought, gosh, this, this could be me. And even, yeah, you're thinking it, it could be me. It was never, oh yeah, I think it's going to be, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I just assumed that someone else's name was going to be called out. You just, even to that, even to that point when the three of us are all standing there arm in arm, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be one of the other names that they call Ooh. out. You know, I guess, you know, I don't know, not, not to be negative, you know, you kind of prepare yourself for the worst and yeah. And if any one of the other two had won, I would have been just as, just as happy for them. So. Yeah. Well, and tell me about that. Cause I've read that the camaraderie is not fake that no. it's, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that and the, the other contestants that you really bonded with. You know, you're, you're 10 people from all different walks of life, from all different parts of the country, and you're thrown together, um, in this common thing. Um, and that's, that's the other thing you're. I try and, you know, you try and talk baking with your friends and they look at you like yeah. you have two heads, but, but you get this group of people together that are excited to talk about the technique for a, an Italian meringue or how they make their macarons or, you know, flavor profiles. It's like, we're all kind of baking geeks at that point And we're just right. you know, loving the conversation. Um, and you know, you're, th- you, those are the people that you're with for the next month. So you get to know them very well. Um, you form, you know, bonds with people, you know, with people you're, you rely on them. You know, you, you have a bad day. You kind of cry on each other's shoulders. You have a good day. Everybody's excited. And, you know, there are quite a few people that I'm in touch with all the time that I see Andrea, Jason and I back in November did an event up where, um, Andrea lives. So, you know, it's great. It's really nice. That really, really is amazing. Um, you said it was one of your favorite things about the show. And for me and my husband, it's one of our favorite things. You know, it's not the real housewives. It's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> of the real housewives. And I, you're right. I guess it almost has this feeling of like, there's another one like me out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, when, you know, 
we all, you know, there were a couple instances and they showed the showed it on camera where we had to, you know, we kind of lend a hand to somebody else. And, you know, like when my cakes failed, you know, and, and I started needing ingredients, I think it was Jeevan who was behind me that said, Oh, I I've got butter. I'm not using here. Take, you know, oh. that kind of thing. Um, oh. yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're, you're rooting, you're definitely rooting for each other. That is so, that is so great. And specifically, I'm curious, both the rules and what actually happens during the technical challenge, are you kind of like looking over your shoulder? Like, well, what is everybody else doing? Not not really. You're kind of putting your head down and doing what you think you need to do. You know, sometimes you stand there and be like, oh God, I don't know what, you know, you're you're talking (laughs) out loud and everything, but you're really at that, for that challenge, you really wasn't, weren't allowed to really talk to anyone anybody else about the recipe or anything it was you had to just you know put your head and a lot of times um even with the other challenges you just put your head down and you just go 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 and you know you don't even realize what's happening sometimes at somebody else's bench because you're just so focused on what you're doing right right now did you guys live in a group environment or you you were responsible for getting your own hotel and you had your own or airbnb or whatever no we were all in the same we were all in the same hotel you were we okay. our, own, our own space. Yeah. Okay. And, space. and you had, you had cooking space there to practice or did you have to go on yes, set? No, each, it was, it was almost like an apartment style. So okay. it had a living room, a kitchen, a bathroom and a bedroom. So, wow. Okay. And how, last question about the technical nature of producing this show. I'm just so fascinated by this. How <laughs> climate controlled is the tent? It's not. It's not. That is <laughs> a not, no. The first couple of filming days, we had this unprecedented heat wave. So oh. we were dealing with temperatures of like 80 to 85. Um, and so the tent has um, either screen sides or enclosed like plastic sides. You know, they roll down and they can't, I believe that they can't like have any fans or air conditioning going because the noise will uh, affect the the sound Um, I think that's what we were told. So, yeah, so you have to deal with all different kinds of, I mean, we, there were days we had pouring rain. Um, there were days where just actually, actually the weather was just beautiful, you know, like these low seventies with the sun, heat, cold. It was, we had everything you could imagine. Wow. And that makes huge differences in baking. It does. It it sure does. Cause there are some things that just don't like humidity and (laughs) so, wow. Yeah. So, wow. Oh, all the respect in the world to you, Tina. I mean, (laughs) really, I mean, for your baking skills, for sure, but just the strength of character and steadiness to make it through those challenges. I feel like it's a personal victory. Yeah, (laughs) because you're not um, you're not really baking against the other people. Your recipes are all different. You have all different flavor profiles, different ways of doing things. So you're really competing against yourself to make sure that you make that recipe better than you've mm. ever made it before. Mm, mm, mm. I read that you, you felt like the judging was very fair. I do believe that the judging was very fair when, yeah. um, you know, when, you know, something had gone a little wrong or maybe you didn't think it was right. I mean, they, they knew, and, and I knew that their, their criticism was honest because I said, yeah, that's where I, you know, messed up. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they didn't even Paul Hollywood. I mean, he's known as the tough one, but he wasn't yeah. like out to get you. Oh, absolutely not. No, no. He was very truthful with his, his critiques. And, um, like I said, I, I, you know, you kind of know when something didn't come out yeah. right or, or everything. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me, so I can't really attest to his judging of anybody else's, but for me, I think the judging was very fair. Mm-hmm. And how much are they in the tent while you're baking? So for the signature and the showstopper, they're, um, they're kind of walking around. Sometimes they'd be like right over your shoulder or, you know, a couple of, you know, benches back watching just, you know, just kind of, kind of hang out there and just kind of watch. Now for the technical, they were excused. And um, so that they blind judge it, they didn't know who what. So then at some point that also just felt like, well, it's just another person. Exactly. 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 It was still every time, even right up to the end, every time they came to your bench and talked to you, it was (laughs) still fun and it was still exciting. And it was still, oh gosh, it's Sherry Yard and Paul Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then what about the hosts? So I read an interview about a winner, about John Waite, the winner of um, one of the British ones. And he, he said that whenever something went wrong and a contestant was kind of getting close to losing their cool, the hosts would come over and start cursing because they knew that they could never use that footage on the show. So it would give the contestant like some space. Did you find that the hosts were your allies? You know, um, I don't think we had any, anybody did that, (laughs) but um, yes, if, if like something was going a little wrong or they looked like you, you look like you were getting a little flustered. They would, you know, shout out, Tina, how's it going? You know, good spice. Thanks. Or they'd come over and kind of put their arm around you. And they were, they were both, both fantastic. Emma and spice. They were fantastic. Well, and then tell me about, tell me about that moment when they called your name. You know, this is done over the summer. So they call your name, you've won, there's craziness in the tent and then you go home. And Mm. as it got closer to the airing date, I kept saying to myself, you know, I don't remember the first 30 seconds after they called my name, you go into sort of... (laughs) alternative universe. I don't know what you just shut shock. Wow. You, you don't, I don't, I didn't remember what I did, how I be, I, it was just the strangest thing. Wow. And did you have to keep it a secret all that time that you won? I did. I did keep it a secret. Your husband knew? No, my husband knew. And obviously my daughter did because she was there. Um, my son went, my, the day of actually the finals, the day before I came home, my husband drove my son up to, you know, school to move him in for his, uh, for the semester. And when I got home, I called him and I said, do you want to know? And he said, you know what? Don't tell me. Oh, wow. So he didn't, I don't know how he did that. I really don't. (laughs) He's like, no, I don't tell me. I want to be surprised. Don't, don't tell me. Wow. That's amazing. And how has life changed for you since you've won? I don't think it's changed really. Yeah. I'm getting to do more. I mean, I just love doing what I'm doing. I'm teaching classes. I, you know, do demonstrations. I notice you do. You do a lot of that. You really enjoy teaching. I love it. And, and it's just so much fun watching people, you know, there, some people come and they're petrified. Oh my God, baking. I can't, I go, you can do this. You, you can do this, you know, and, um, just to get to do things. And most, I think most bakers will tell you that they bake they don't bake for themselves. They bake for other people. So this past Friday, I did a dessert table for a fundraiser at our local library. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun and so rewarding to do that because people were so appreciative and they oh. were so excited to eat what I made. And I think that's what 
baking is all about. And it was just so much, so much fun for me. Mm, And this is what's so beautiful about the show is it really does capture. It's like this idea of keeping it amateur. Yes. You really, it does capture people like you who genuinely love it. And that shines. I think that's what we're also attracted to in the show. It's amazing to me that the, I mean, the British one, the American one, I know that Canada does a bake off. Oh, um, really? Zealand. There's so many, and it is amazes me the talent that these people have. And we are all home bakers. So it's, yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Well, I just want to ask you finally about this expertise that you have um, with these slice and bake cookies. (laughs) So just for people who are listening, tell them a little bit about the technique because it's, it's really extraordinary to me. It's like an engineering architecture art project all in one when you make these. Well, that's what I say all the time that I'm very left brained, like more precise than kind of more flowy and like creative. It's very, very precise. You know, I think we all grew up seeing the, you know, the slice and bake Pillsbury cookies. (laughs) This is nothing (laughs) like those. (laughs) I forget what I was doing. And this was like back in November. um, And I, uh, you know, was thinking about maybe new cookies to make for, for Christmas this year. And I saw a picture of a Santa belt. Yeah. And that's, it's very geometric. There's a lot of rectangles, yes. squares, you know, very straight lines. I'm like, oh, you know, I think I could make, like recreate that. And it's, and it's a process. I get onto, you know, publisher and I create a rectangle, the size of cookie that I need. And then I start placing my little squares and, you know, figuring out. And I try to keep the dimensions the same, like, so that I only have to, you know, do one thickness of dough, like either a quarter inch or a half inch or whatever. And it's this whole process. And in fact, yesterday, I'm creating three new ones for Easter. So. Oh, really? Oh, I can't wait to yeah. see. It is such an intricate process. And then you have to color the different doughs. And, right. Oh, it's and amazing. Whole, and you, and when it gets to the end process, you still want the cookie to taste good. You want mm. it to you know, have a nice flavor. You want it to have a nice crunch. Yeah, like, you know, I tend to be more of the crispy cookie side. So, you know, even though it's a lot of visual, you still mm-hmm. want it to taste good. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I haven't tried them, but I'm quite confident they do because uh, it's just amazing to me that you've grown this expertise. It's just, I, I find that so inspiring. I it's really, amazing. really do. It's amazing to me too. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yourself, but it, you know, and it just, it just took time, right? Like there were no shortcuts. You just had to keep going with it. You know, the whole thing with the show is one, this must've been about five or six years ago. One afternoon I was sitting on the couch, flipping through channels, came across yeah. PBS and I see these people baking in the tent. I'm like, oh, baking. Okay. And within 10 minutes, you know, if you're a baker, you're hooked on this show. Yeah. And I would watch week after week. And I said to myself, wow, they're not doing one here. If they ever do one, I really need to try out for this show. And lo and behold, <laughs> you did it. You did it. Mm. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I have, I've asked all my questions. The one other thing I would want to um, just ask, is there anything else you would want to say about your grandmother or your mom and their influence on you, either baking or non-baking? I've gotten like so much support from my family and my mom was a big, she was always a big cheerleader and she would always, you know, even though I learned 
my foundation baking from her, she would always be like, I can't believe that you're doing all this stuff. Mm. She, she was always a little afraid of like using yeast and making yeast doughs. And I, and I actually got her over that fear and we do it together and everything. So I just have to say that, you know, I'm just so appreciative. And I, and I think that, you know, my, my grandmother, you know, Going into bread week, I was uh, very nervous because that's Paul Hollywood's thing. And we know that we're going to be really seriously judged. And one of the breads I did was her Easter bread. And Mm. I think she may have been there in the tent that day because Uh. Paul loved it. And, you know, I think she would have been like really proud of me if she was, you know, able to have seen me on TV. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so great. Well, you made her proud. So good for you, Tina. You should be really proud of that. So (laughs) thank you. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. And um, such this is just so fun to hear about something we all see, to get to pull back the curtain a little bit. A and, little bit, um, yeah. Yeah, well, and go ahead. So so much for, for asking me to, to do this. Well, this, absolutely. This really yeah. was a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah. And just to say one more time, I'm just so inspired by your example of just sticking with something for years and staying interested and just learning. It's just it, it's it's just really great to see. So thank you. Oh, you're very you're very welcome. Okay, you have a great day, Tina. You too, Becky. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Tina for her time and for her fun, festive sprinkle cookie recipe. You can find her at tinazaccardi.com or on Instagram at The Italian Cookie. All of her information, as well as this very kid-friendly recipe, is also on my blog. On another note, just last week, I released my second free food photography resource named Fundamentals of Food Photography. You can find the link to that on my website under resources or in my Instagram bio. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, would you please subscribe and either leave a review or simply share the podcast with a friend or family member? That would help me so much and would mean the world to me personally. Thanks and have a great week, my friends.